from pastors to evangelists to kids in our youth groups. Sex sin is destroying any credible witness to the power of Christ to change lives. We are continuing our discussion about the prevention and cure for immorality. Dave Wurtzen exposed how much like a drug addiction sexual lust can become, and he exposed how it all begins with ideas and images in our minds. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 counsels us to guard our heart because from it comes the wellspring of life. Let's join Dave as he talks about what it means to guard our thought life. If I don't guard my heart today, then I can tear up what's the most valuable thing in my whole life on this planet. You see, the most precious gift, I remember when I met Mary, I can remember talking with the Lord about this, and I remember a very quiet assurance, this is the one that I have for you. Now, not everyone has that, but I did have that. And I confidently know after being married that that was the will of God. And if you made a vow of commitment to somebody, it is the will of God for you to be married to that person. And we're sloppy in our thinking about that. And that's why we need to guard our hearts. And I'm stressing this today because on vacation, I found out another guy that I've respected. I've read his books. He's spoken exactly like I have. He speaks brilliantly about sexual relationships. He writes marvelously about the family. He writes very biblically. And the whole time he was doing it, he was having an affair. Now you all say, how in the world can that ever happen? Easy. Easy. Simple. It's like falling off a log. It's easy to do it. You don't guard your heart. In fact, I know in my own life as a preacher, the more involved I am in spiritual warfare, if it's at an intense conference with teenagers and kids are being saved and I'm up till late at night counseling kids, that's the time I need to guard my heart. Because you can go from preaching and seeing lots of kids respond to the Savior to walking into a room and allowing your thoughts to be as putrid and as impure as the pit of hell. And that's what preachers aren't honest about. And I've seen it again and again and again. I had a very close friend, one of the greatest evangelists I've ever worked with. He would speak and almost every time the Holy Spirit would call 50 and 60 people to respond to the Savior. That man got involved in a relationship with another woman, and now he's running a motel up in Colorado. What happened? He didn't guard his heart. He wasn't honest with his thought life. And I want to challenge you. I would really challenge all of us. I think we need to have close friends that we can have accountability with, that we can share with, that we can have integrity with. Proverbs is telling us a very old, ancient idea, but it's still true today. It begins in your mind. Guard your thought life. Thirdly, heed the no trespassing signs. There are places that moral people do not go. Chapter 5, verse 8, the father says, Keep to a path far from her door. Do not go near the door of her house. Keep to a path far from her door. Don't go near the door of her house. Chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked common sense. He was going down the street near her corner. 
walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Here is a young man going to the wrong street at the wrong hour to the wrong place. Look at chapter 7, verse 25. Do not let your heart turn to her ways. Do not allow your heart to stray into her paths. You go to Las Vegas. What's Las Vegas about? You know, I've dealt with a lot of people over the years. Listen, I only gamble the money I plan to gamble. That sounds great. You know, it keeps Las Vegas going. It works great. There's great shows there. Listen, I was raised right near New York City. Broadway was right there. Las Vegas is the same thing. What's Las Vegas about, believer? Let's be honest. What is Las Vegas about? Why don't the girls wear a lot of clothes in Las Vegas? What's it about? Now, a lot of you have the idea, you can wander in there. And by the way, you're not going to go to hell for doing that. God never said, go to Las Vegas, you go to hell. God says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can go to heaven. So a lot of you, this relates to what I talked about. I'm free, I can do anything I want to. I can get out from underneath rules and regulations. So you go to Las Vegas. You go to a lot of places like that. You go on vacation and you do a lot of things. You go to a lot of shows. You do things that are very immoral. Now I want to share with you, I'm not an old fogey. I promise you I'm not. And I don't want to sound just like somebody out of 100 years ago. But I want to tell you the truth. It's dangerous. Really, really dangerous. You're at the wrong place, you look at the wrong things, you're seduced by the wrong kinds of, of people, and it's dangerous, really, really dangerous. You walk into a place and you think you can walk out easily. And it's not just places like Las Vegas. I think some of you need to make a decision, I will stop having lunch with so-and-so at work because it's the wrong place. When Mary was working for a plastic surgeon, I'm, I just share with you openly, she worked for three mature, older, one of them was a really solid citizen of a man. And Mary and I had just recently gotten married. You don't think that's tinderbox? Seminary students are falling like flies because of that combination. There are, there's immorality and problems and marriages are being broken up because of just that kind of hay and fire. And they couldn't figure out. Mary wouldn't go out to eat with these guys by themselves. Now, some of you would say, you know, and for some of you, that wouldn't be any problem. But what I want to share with you, watch out. It can easily be the wrong place. There's something really powerful when you're a young woman, you just recently got married, you're going through some of the tangles of, of getting a young marriage off the ground, and you go to lunch with a guy that's 40 years old, that, that is mature, has things together, lives in a beautiful house up in Highland Park, and he really likes you, and he makes you feel important. You girls don't think that's a, a dangerous place. You need to grow up. It is dangerous. Really dangerous. The reason it's so dangerous is that in just a few short minutes of time, marvelous words like lifelong purity and dependability can be torn up. Not that God can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. 
He can. But oh, it's always much better not to jump off the wall. I'm just trying to tell you the truth, trying to lay out life the way it does run. It really does run like this. I'm just trying to get your mind to start thinking about places where it says no trespassing. I have some no trespassing places in my life. I do. It's, why, it's one of the reasons why I have my study in my home. And I don't think the scripture teaches that you only counsel fellas. Jesus Christ talked to a lot of girls. I don't think you girls should feel isolated from your pastor. And I think that we should be able to have brother-sister relationships. But I have my office in my home. It's because my wife is right in the next room. And she might come bopping in at any time. And it protects me from the wrong place. And that's what Proverbs is saying. You don't go near the door of her house. You don't do unskillful things. Chuck Swindoll talks about that. I counsel in a situation, I have a great big desk in front of me. Now that's not the greatest, most congenial thing. I've got a great big picture of Mary right over my right shoulder. I've got another one directly behind me. I can't get away from her. <laughs> what I'm sharing, we've got to be honest about these passions, these desires. It's a very seductive thing. And life is so precious. Family life is so intimate. I could tear up the work of God that I've spent by the power of the Spirit. I've worked with elders and deacons for years. And I've seen them grow. And I've seen them mature. Do you realize in just a short period of time I can throw this family into tremendous chaos and hurt if I fall into immorality, and it can happen. It's happened to guys much stronger than me. And that's why the scripture teaches us, watch out for your thought life. Watch out for the places. Don't be lured into those no trespassing zones. Never forget the deadly consequences. This is a great one, real practical. Don't forget the deadly consequences. First of all, you're going to lose your health, you're going to lose your wealth, you're going to lose your reputation. Turn to chapter 5, verses 7 through 14. And we'll begin with verse 9, because I already read verses 7 and 8. Lest you give your best strength to others, your years to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich another man's house. At the end of your life you will groan when your flesh and your body are spent. You will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. What is the writer saying here? He's saying that immorality still takes away your health, your wealth, and your reputation. Please listen to me. Young people, please listen to me. Because our society is playing a very dirty game on people today. I know that a lot of the kids at school do it. I know that in a lot of the colleges you go to, sleeping in with different people is, is accepted practice. I know those of you that are in business, it's talked about in the office. I'm sure every one of you could stand up and testify. There's a guy at work that brags about all of his conquests. I know all that. What I want you to know is the truth is still the truth. It'll take away your wealth, and your reputation, I'm going to talk about how it takes away your health, 
in just a minute. It will take away your wealth and your reputation. Those of you that have been divorced because of immorality, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to think. I want all of you to face the truth. I can barely make it, and God is gracious, but it's not easy to support one wife and four children. How many agree? Okay? If I had a broken marriage, then what do I have to support? Not one wife, but child support. And there's a lot of you that are paying it. I'm not, I don't want you to feel guilty. I just want you to face the reality. I'm not, I don't want you to feel guilty. You don't need to. And some of you have been all forgiven, and I, it's very important for you to pay it, but I just want you to face the hard-nosed financial realities of what happens. You get involved in immorality, and you've got to pay for it. And a lot of you began relationships even before you knew the Lord. You got involved with a woman or involved with a man before you knew the Lord. You founded your marriage upon no foundation and it didn't work out. Tremendous forces of violence and immorality began to take place. But you're still paying about $400 a month. And that's steep. It'll take away your, your wealth. It'll take away your wealth. Bribery. You get involved in sexual immorality and you could easily have bribery. If I had a past, if I had an immoral past in my position as a speaker of the gospel, I could get a telephone call at any time and they could say, David, I want $100 a month or I go public. Now the best way to handle that is not to pay $100 a month but if you think what I just told you is some mystery story that you watch on Tuesday nights, you are dead wrong. It happens all the time. It takes away your wealth. Bribery, it opens you wide open to that. Not that you should pay it, but those of you that are older, am I telling the truth? Does life work like that? Have those of you that are older ever heard of individuals that are involved in that kind of, of bribery and that kind of thing? Sure, it's reality. It'll take away your wealth. It'll also take away your reputation. We live in a society where everybody does it. Think for a minute. How many of you wives would like your husbands to go for sales with beautiful uh, models for a night? How many of you would just love them to go down to Miami, take about a night's thing out into the Caribbean? How many wives will volunteer? Love to see your husband do that. You see, in their, in their way of life, just to be honest with you, really, I've talked to a lot of people like that. In their way of life, the wife would say, great, it's fine, who cares? Did it work? Did it take away a reputation? Yes, it did. Yes, it did take away a reputation. It always, always does. Prominent authors, guys that have worked for years and years and years. One of the hardest things, one of the guys that I told you about that's a prominent author that fell in immorality. One place after another, the bookstores were sending his books back. Now, the ideas in the books are right. And I'm not saying that's the best way to handle it. And I'm not saying that's what I think ought to be done. That is what is done. A very prominent author. I believe probably one of the most gifted authors in evangelical Christianity had an immoral affair and there hasn't been another book written and selling. Nobody will publish. It does take away your reputation. And nothing can ever reproduce that. In other words, no matter how you might want to cut it, it's hard to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. God can forgive, and I'll preach strongly that God can forgive, but society doesn't forgive very well. It does take away your reputation. It is a consequence.
There's also the threat of physical death from two sources, murderous jealousy and physical death. Turn to chapter 6, verses 26 and following and closing. For the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread, and the adulteress preys upon your very life. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? Obviously not. So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Man do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he's starving. Yet if he's caught, he must pay sevenfold, though it cost him all the wealth of his house. But a man who commits adultery lacks judgment. Whoever does so destroys himself. Blows and disgrace are his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. For jealousy arouses a husband's fury, and it will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will not accept any compensation. He will refuse the bribe, however great it is. You know what the passage is talking about? Just plain, hard-nosed, violent jealousy of a wounded husband, or I could turn around the wounded wife. Have you seen the reaction that a husband or a wife has when they find out that their partner has been immoral? Read Hosea chapter 2 and you'll find out how God the Father responds when there's been immorality. And we can talk all we want to about a free society but there's still unbelievably strong anger. And what the writer is saying here is, you might try to buy them off, you might try to pay them money, but a husband's wounded pride or a wife's wounded pride can never be bought off. You see, if somebody violates my wife, you took something from me that no money in the universe can pay. And there's going to be tremendous anger. And the reality of life is, many times there is violence. What I want every young person to realize, I want every man and woman to realize, if you go to bed with somebody that doesn't belong to you, you are walking into a room that's a dreamlike room that can easily become a room of violence. A room where jealousy can blow someone's brains out. Because the same kind of passions that make you do something immoral are the same passions that cause us to get angry and to burn and to lash out. Violence and immorality go hand in hand. The final thing is we've all learned that AIDS is a terrible thing today. It really is. In fact, when I first started teaching the book of Proverbs, I talk about sexual diseases, and almost anybody would laugh about it because you could just take penicillin, everything would be fine. I share with you in the past, but I'm not going to belabor it. We happen to live in a day. To really be honest with you, I would be afraid to go to bed with somebody that did not belong to me and that I did not thoroughly know. And I knew their past, and I knew what their life was like, I knew what they were as a person. That only makes sense. That only, even to say that sounds foolish, but if people that are involved in morality don't stop to think about that. You ought to know the person well that you're that intimate with. God says you ought to make a lifelong commitment and be married to them and get a shelter over that relationship. But just, if I didn't have the Bible at all, if I didn't even have God, if I just had self-survival, which I don't, 
That's not all I had. But if that is all I had, then I would not be involved in sexual immorality. I would be afraid because my physical life means too much to me. It can take away our health. It can take away our wealth. It can take away our very life, our reputation and our very life. I close with, with two things. This has been kind of negative. And I want to share with you that there's another whole side. I want you to enjoy marriage, sexual relationship with your wife. I think that one of the greatest, greatest protections from sexual immorality today is a monogamous, joyful celebration of marital sexual love. And some of you are being robbed of that. Satan is robbing you because of a past failure sexually, because you've made mistakes and you're still burdened by guilt. And I just would pray with all my heart that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would lay that behind you. Some of you wives are keeping yourselves from your, from your husbands. You're never really free with your husband because of a very low self-image. And oh, how I would pray that the Holy Spirit would use the concepts of Proverbs 5 and the Song of Solomon to help you to be able to joyfully give the beautiful gift that God has for you. Some of you husbands can never relax. You, it's always so fast and it's always done under a tremendous amount of guilt because you don't really believe that it's to be enjoyed. And Satan is using that as a double-barreled approach. You're really not happy in your marriage and therefore you think you can find happiness somewhere else. It's a horrible combination. And the scripture is teaching us that the greatest place, the most joyful place to have sexual relationships is in the monogamous sexual partnership of a man and a woman together. If you have problems in those areas, I'd really encourage you to get Dr. Wheat's book, Intended for Pleasure, or Tim LaHaye's book, The Act of Marriage, which spell out in a biblical way, not Dr. Ruth, but spelling out in a biblical way what the Holy Scriptures really do teach about that area. It's a very emotional area. There's a lot of emotionally irrational things that are related to it. And yet, there's some marvelous truths in God's Word to help you to really find fulfillment and joy in that relationship. The final thing is, none of us are going to make it. We can choose our right sexual instructors. We can recognize that it begins with an idea. We can watch out for the no trespassing signs. We can be careful not to forget the deadly consequences. We can enjoy sex in our marriage, and we can still fall unless we submit to the Holy Spirit within us every day. Ephesians 5, verse 16. Walk by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh.